that's what this season is. That's why you're here today. Oh, man. Just grab a little hope. <laughs> if, if you want, if some of you are new. Um, why am I here? <laughs> I was just here to see my friend's kids or grandkids or my niece or nephew, whoever it is. And you just walked into a place of hope, man. That's just what we want. We want hope. We said it earlier that we believe this is a place of hope and healing and peace and purpose. That's what this environment is for. I'm so thankful for our band. Man, God is just doing something incredible through these guys. Um, if you're new, uh, that last song is an original. It's uh, the first original worship song that, that I can remember that, that they have written, and Eric and Daniel uh, wrote that together. I tried to get in on the songwriting, and they were like, they had their meetings when I was uh, gone. I, I want songwriting credits. I, uh, one of these days, make it so, Lord Jesus. Um, the, the talent that these guys have, and man, I would love it if next Christmas we had like a Christmas EP or something. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be awesome? Like we had a little Christmas EP. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I love that song. I don't care what they think. All right. I'm kidding. I'm just messing with y'all. Uh, if you have a Bible, let's go to Luke chapter 2. Uh, I don't know if I, my name's Brad, by the way, if you're new, and I'm, I'm the pastor, and if I didn't get to meet you afterwards, meet me out by the doors, and uh, Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at the Christmas story out of Luke chapter 2. If you're new to church, this is where the classic telling of the Christmas story comes from. I remember being a little boy and sitting on my grandpa's lap and him reading the Christmas story out of the King James Version, old school. I actually have that Bible now at home. It's a, one of my most cherished possessions, and I actually take it and usually will read out of that to my family at Christmas, so it's kind of cool. Uh, but we're going to read out of the New Living Translation, and um, one of the most iconic pictures of Christmas is the nativity scene, and the nativity is, uh, we've got one on our mantle, maybe you have one, and there's the shepherds who are there. The shepherds are in that nativity scene, but what I want us to do is I want, to, I want us to go back to the field where God found them, the field where God found them. So Luke chapter 2, starting verse 8, it says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news good news. I bring you good. That's what this season is about. It's about good news. Come on, tell somebody around you this season is about good news for you. Good news for you. And that good news is going to be great joy to all people. And here's who Jesus is. If you wonder who is Jesus, he's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. And he was born in this little forsaken community called Bethlehem. You're going to recognize him by this sign. It's crazy how they found him. A baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And then suddenly the angels joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth. Man, that's some good news right there. Peace on earth. Man, God, we need some peace on this planet right now. We need some peace in our homes we need peace in our spirits. Some of you need peace in your mind. May you have his 
peace this season. He wants to give it to you freely. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the moments we have now to open it and um, kind of drink it in a little bit. Thanks for this season that slows us down, refocuses us a little bit. And now in Jesus' name, would you, would you help us to, to learn from you and understand a little more of who you are in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Well, how many of you, um, you live for Christmas? Like, you, you can't wait for the season. You love this season. Hands high. Hands high if you love this season. All right, we got, okay, yeah, good. Good response. Yeah, okay, favorable response. How many of you are like, yeah, it's all right. It's cool. It's, it's all right. Yeah, okay. Uh, how many of you are ready for it to be over? Anybody ready for it to be over? Okay. My, my wife, Laura, she lives for Christmas. Uh, I mean, she, if our house could be Santa's workshop, it would be. Uh, she loves Christmas. And for us, it's not just a seasonal thing. It's a year-long thing. Uh, she's like July. Anybody celebrate Christmas in July? She's bringing out the movies and the music in July. And then in November, she starts amping it up and, and just getting me ready for what is about to... I like Christmas, but she really likes Christmas. And she'll start in on the Christmas music, you know, and decorations. And do they know it's Christmas time at all? Yes, I do. I'm very aware that it's Christmas, okay? So, I mean, she's just got stuff everywhere. She's got little cookie cutters. Uh, they're on the counters. They're on the tables. They're on the floor. It's the worst place for them. Have you ever stepped on the star of Bethlehem in your bare feet? Oh, man, that'll wake you up. You're like, oh, Jesus is the reason for the season. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. I mean, it just, woo, it'll, it'll, it'll wake you up. It'll wake you up. But she, she makes stuff. She makes homemade fudge. Like, oh, I love this season because you're just eating. Like, people give you stuff. You're like, I shouldn't eat this, but I am the pastor, and I want to know that I love them. So, like, somebody brought me cinnamon rolls yesterday. So I had cinnamon rolls and fudge yesterday. I now love Christmas. It's amazing. But she's making homemade fudge. She's doing decorations. She's doing, she makes wreaths out of anything. Our house just, our house smells like an elf broke wind. It just, it's a, uh, did he just say that in church? I think he just said Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Uh, I mean, it's like, it smells like pine needles and cranberries at our house, nonstop. Uh, last night, I rolled over, and I'm like, you smell like cinnamon. And she's like, oh, it's my diffuser. She had cinnamon thing in the diffuser. She just loves it. And her go-to, Hallmark Christmas movies. Yeah, okay. Some of you people. She watches so many of them that they're now on my device. I've never watched a Hallmark movie on my phone. I opened up my phone. There were three Hallmark movies waiting on me. It's everywhere. And I have a theory about Hallmark movies, by the way. I think they take the ones from the summer, and, they, and to make them into Christmas, they just throw snow into them. That's all they did. They throw snow. They're like, and kiss and cue the snow. Wow. Never saw that coming. I love ruining them for her. <laughs> I'll just walk through the room and I go, yeah, yeah, they're getting together at the end of the movie. She's like, knock it off. Like, 
you know they are because she has the flower shop and he's the single dad. You know, they're going to get together. She's like, stop. Like, tell me I'm lying. Okay, you're not lying, but (laughs) she loves it. She loves the Christmas season and and she's going to be going into mourning here in just a couple of weeks. So please be praying for us. She's going to go from uh, the, the reds and the greens to all black for January for her because she just cannot handle Christmas going back into the box. You know, some, some of us are like that. Some of you, man, you're just, you're feeling Christmas, but some of us, um, some of us aren't feeling Christmas. I, I think some of us here can really relate to uh, the shepherds in, in Luke 2.8. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields, what? Nearby. Nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. For some, the, the feeling of Christmas feels nearby, like it's just, just out of reach. It's like it's, uh, it's, it's, it's right there, but I can't get to it. I, I, I saw this picture this week. Um, Tom Raditz is a member of our church. Some of you know Tom, and he goes Clark Griswold on his house, and this is a picture of his house. Look at this. Is, uh, there's so many lights, they just blend together in one giant light, right? I mean, it's just this guy, so this is how some of you feel. Like, you're like, yay, wee, you're so excited about Christmas. But, but some of us probably feel a little more like his neighbor who, who doesn't put up lights and instead just puts up a single sign. Ditto. I love it. But that's the truth for some of us. We feel like the shepherds, man. It's just like Christmas is, is just nearby. I'm just outside the celebration. Like in this forgotten field and everybody around you is like hashtag blessed and prayers are getting answered. Life's good for them. But man, 2018, you know, has just um, maybe not been what you hoped it would be. And here you sit at Christmas with your unanswered prayers. Here you sit with things that are, that are undone. Here, here you sit where you thought, by the end of the year, I, would, I thought I'd be further along than I am. And instead, I just kind of feel stuck in a forgotten field, in a wilderness. Uh, this is the shepherds. This is exactly how they felt on that night. Because for the shepherds, which you may or may not know about the shepherds, but in this time period, they were kind of the forgotten ones. They, they did all of their work outside of the city, like outside of the party, where, where no one else was. It was a very, very lonely life. Uh, they, they've always found themselves in the wilderness, that's where they spent the majority of their time and in a wilderness facing harsh conditions and exposed to all of the elements. They were in a, in a forgotten field. And, and to them, that, that night was just another night, like all the other nights. But what we know today that they didn't know at that moment was that that night was not just another night. Like, that night became the night. Can I get an amen from God's people? That night became the night. Like, listen, you you may feel like 
you are in a forgotten field. You may feel like you're in a wilderness. It may feel like Christmas is just nearby. The celebration is nearby. But can I tell you this? You are closer to your breakthrough than you think you are. Come on, encourage three people. High five them and tell them you're getting close. You're getting close. You're closer than you think you are to your breakthrough. How, how, do I, how do I know this? The reason I know this is because God is nearby. This is not just a story, a twas the night before Christmas or a once upon the time. This was not just for these shepherds. This story is our story, is that God is nearby, and that's good news. Man, because when God is nearby, that means I am closer to my breakthrough than I think I am. Like, no matter where I am, God will find me. There's nothing you can do. There's no disappointment. There's no discouragement. There's no brokenness. There's no heartache. There's no sin or shame that can keep you from God. You can try to run from God, and he will find you. Right? That's God's people right there who ran. Some of y'all didn't run. I was a runner. I'm like, I'm getting away from you, God. I'm getting, I'm going, I'm going. And then I show up, and he's like, what's up, Brad? What are you doing here? I am everywhere. Man, I mean, it's just God is always nearby. I want you to write this down because I think this is so important for you to focus on. God has not forgotten me. God has not forgotten me. No, he is positioning me. God has not forgotten me. He is positioning me. Psalm 139, written by David. David said these words. In fact, you might want to write that down. Psalm 139. And, and if you, listen, if you feel forgotten, if you feel like you're in that forgotten field in a wilderness, I want to encourage you, read Psalm 139 every day this week. Wake up and read it. Go to bed and read it. On your lunch hour, read it. Sitting at a stoplight, read it. Psalm 139. Because Psalm 139, let me give you just a portion of it. David said this, I can go up to heaven. I can go down to the grave. I can go to the farthest ocean. I can hide out in the darkness. And you are there. You always find me. And David knew a thing or two about being found because David, before he was king, he was in a forgotten field. He understands these shepherds because he was a shepherd. Man, when they came to anoint the next king of Israel, and they're checking out all of his brothers, and they're like, I don't think the king is here. And they said, you got anybody else? And David's dad said, I got one more boy out in the field. And God found David in a forgotten field. If he can find David and raise him up to be king, what can he do in your life? Elisha one of the greatest prophets that Israel has ever known, because two of you were excited about that. I'm going to tell you about one more, okay? Elisha, a prophet of God, raised up, mighty man of God, incredible miracles. You know where God found him? Plowing in a forgotten field. And not just plowing in a field, he was plowing behind 12 oxen. Do you know what that means? He was stepping in it over and over Again, any of y'all feel like you've been stepping in it? 
You know what I'm talking? Am I preaching? I mean, you know, like where you feel like you've been stepping. God has not forgotten you. There's no place you can go. He will find you and he will pull you out of the forgotten field, out of your wilderness, into the destinies and plans that he has for you. These shepherds, man, these shepherds, I mean, they're, they're out in the field. They're in the wilderness. They're like, they're far from the temple. Now, what you may or may not know, in this time period, the presence of God was in the temple, and they were far from the presence of God, yet God found them. He orchestrated every detail, every event, and he positioned them nearby. God is nearby. He's closer than you think. You're so close to that breakthrough that you desire to see in your life. Verse 9 says, suddenly. Suddenly. Like, grab a hold of that word, circle it, write it down. Suddenly. How many of you know things can change suddenly when God shows up? Come on, God's people, do you believe that? Like, do you believe that? Half y'all don't believe it because you're waiting on it. But I'm telling you, you need to get ready for it because your suddenly is coming. Your suddenly is on the way. Man, you're waiting. Where are you? I'm in a forgotten field. What's with this wilderness here? And God is going to show up suddenly in your life, and he's going to blow you away. And you'll be like, whoo, man. And then you're going to show up here on a Sunday, and you'll be like on your feet going, yeah. Getting all Pentecostals, what you're going to be doing. Because when God shows up, things can change suddenly. And an angel of the Lord appeared among them. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Like, no matter where you find yourself, no matter how lost you feel, no matter the confusion, no matter the disappointment, God can show up in the midst of that and suddenly everything can change for his glory, and for his honor. I like what the angel said, Gabriel, in verse 10. He said, I bring you, say this with me like, like you mean it. I, I bring you what? Good news that will bring great joy to all people. I'm giving you good news that will bring great joy. <laughs> How many of you could use some good news that would bring some great joy? Anybody? Anybody? I got one here. I got one here. You can have some. You got some. You want some to go over here? You get some. Anybody want some of that great joy? One in the back. I don't know what's wrong with all you people over here. <laughs> I got both hands up. I, I could use some good news of great joy. I, I'm in my wilderness over here. I'm in this forgotten field. Praise God for what's happening, and I could use in this moment some good news that would bring great joy. I love this. The angel shows up. Man, I bring you good news of great joy, and I just envision the shepherds are like, huh? Have you looked around where we are? What, what, what are you smoking? What, what are you, great joy? Do you ever feel that way? Like, I can see it in some of your faces. Man, I'm preaching about this great joy of the Lord. I can just see it in your faces. <laughs> me? <laughs> Obviously, it's for the person behind me. He's shouting a lot, but not, not me. Maybe, maybe this person, two people down. Maybe the person, but not me. This is exactly how the shepherds felt in this moment, man. It's like you got the wrong 
feel messed because, man, life, life can be brutal. Man, in, man, life can just steal your joy and knock your legs out from underneath you in a heartbeat. But, man, good news a season of emptiness and despair can suddenly turn to a season of great joy when God shows up. Like suddenly you experience breakthrough. Like suddenly doors open for you. Suddenly dreams come true. Suddenly I experience victory. Suddenly sin and shame are gone. Suddenly I'm walking out of this prison. Suddenly I've left everything behind. Suddenly restoration. Suddenly brokenness is healed. Suddenly healing for my soul and my family and my life. Something powerful happens when God shows up. Suddenly happens. Come on, tell somebody around you, get ready for suddenly. Get ready for suddenly. Whoo, man, I am preaching better than you're preaching back at me. I am fired up. I'm about to get Pentecostal up in here. <laughs> I love you, Larry. You're one of my best friends right there. I, didn't, I used to teach Sunday school about 30 years ago. I didn't really teach like this in Sunday school. <laughs> suddenly, man, you need a suddenly? Suddenly. That's what this season is all about. The power of Jesus in a suddenly. Psalm 63, 7 says it so well. You're my, you are my helper. You are my helper. I, I sing for joy in what? In, in the, come on, in the what? Shadow of your wings. And this is our God, man. He takes you under the shadow of his wings in the midst of chaos and confusion and brokenness and just stress, the shadow of his wings. We have a uh, Great Dane puppy, and his name is Otis. We got him about a year ago, and man, I love this dog. He's an incredible dog. He's so full of joy, but he's, he's, a, he's a puppy, and he's a Great Dane, and he weighs 120 pounds, and he gets a little excited at times, and um, what I didn't know when we got him, not only was he a bundle of joy, but he came with um, separation anxiety. A Great Dane puppy, 120 pounds, separation anxiety. Google it. It's not pretty. I thought it was a joke. I'm like, because they, they put all these goofy things on people now that, that people come up with, this diagnosis of, you know, why, you know, I'm not going to go there. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> there's some goofy stuff now. And I'm like, dogs have it? Seriously? And then I was home, and I was by myself, and I Googled it. I'm like, huh? I'm like, oh, he, he has that. Oh, he has that. Oh, he has that. I, I, Laura, our dog has separation anxiety. This dog has destroyed four sets of wooden blinds, two door frames, and raked down a door that is going to have to be replaced. We came home after one of his incidents, and he had gotten a hold of powdered sugar <laughs> and swung it, just slung it all over the living room, having a party and a good time. I came home, I'm like, you're either baking cookies or this is a meth lab. What are you doing? <laughs> she just looked at me, I'm oh, sorry, I'm oh, sorry, I'm oh, sorry. So, um, I, so somebody told me about these things that are called uh, Thunder Shirt. And it's like this blanket you put around dogs. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. 
A thunder, you're going to put a shirt around it up for 50, 50 bucks for a shirt on a dog, and it's going to calm them down. It's, what a scam. And then my, my sons had them for their dogs, and I saw their dogs, and I'm like, we are getting one of those. And so I got it. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was like you put it on, you pushed a button, and it, and it played ACDC. That's what I, I thought it was. Ah, 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 thunder. Ah, ah. That's what I thought it was. That's not what it is. <laughs> and, and so, but we, we get this thing, and we wrap him in it, and he's just like, <laughs> and we put it on him, and he's just like, and he's like, oh, I love you so much. You're my best friend. <laughs> I was just like, and he just melted into me, just calm. Listen, this is God, man. God takes you under the shelter of his wings. And in the midst of a storm, he can, he can calm your spirit. This is our God. Like, this is what he means by he takes us and we can have joy. We can sing for joy in the shadow of his wings. I think about the shepherds. I didn't know this about shepherds. Learned this this week is that shepherds, they would take sheepskin and they would cover themselves, which I thought was kind of weird anyway because there was sheep. And I think the sheep are probably like, is that Charlie? Are you curling up? Which, you know, it's just weird to me. Uh, but they would take sheepskin and, and at night, because of the harsh conditions of the wilderness and due to the elements, they would literally cover themselves completely. Some of you sleep with a spouse like that where they wrap in the blankets. That's Laura. She wraps up in a blanket with a little blowhole thing. Or... It's like a little straw hanging out, capturing some air. You know? and, and this is the shepherds, man. They would cover themselves and be protected from the, the harsh elements. This is a picture of who our God is. He will take you under the shelter of his wings, and in the midst of the wilderness and the forgotten field, he can restore your joy. I can have joy because I'm covered by the mighty wings of the Lord. God has not forgotten you. He he is positioning you. Let me say this too. God is also positioning you nearby someone for their suddenly. It's not just for you and for me. Think of Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph, they had no idea that they had been positioned nearby the shepherds. They had no idea they had been positioned nearby a forgotten field. Then you and I, you have been positioned by people in need of hope and healing and peace and purpose. We carry Jesus like Mary did into this world. That's what we do. Like all around us are people who feel like they're in a forgotten field and God has put you nearby them. He's put you nearby somebody in a coffee shop. He's put you nearby somebody in the workplace. He's put you nearby somebody on your campus. He's put you nearby somebody in your neighborhood. He's put you nearby. We got to have eyes to see and be there to help people because we will be somebody's suddenly. That's what God wants to do. That's how he wants to use you. So in verse 11, the angel Gabriel said this, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And then it says that, they, that the, the shepherds, they were, they were terrified. I'm thinking, this has got to be wearing Gabriel out. Because this is the third time this has happened. Like, if you go back to Luke chapter 1, Gabriel shows up to Zechariah, and he says, behold, and Zechariah's like, ah! Gabriel's like, oh, man, I keep freaking people out. He shows up for Mary. Hey, Mary, you have found favor with God. Ah! Hey, do something about this. And he shows up for the shepherds. Ah! You know, he's freaking out. I can just, 
Gabriel's like going up, hey, God, can we talk for just a moment here? Um, I am freaking people out down there. <laughs> if we could maybe come in a little softer, maybe turn the dimmer down on the angel thing a bit. What does God do? God amps it up. Like God's like, oh, oh no, now I'm really going to bring it. So not just Gabriel, but it says that the armies of heaven join Gabriel, okay? This is, you ain't going to go, woo, when that happens. You're going to go, ah! I mean, they, this is, it's, and it says this, that the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. What is that? What is the radiance of the Lord's glory? You have to think of the radiance of the Lord's glory like this. It's his, it's his strength. It's his power. It's his majesty. It's his glory on display. Man, God is all powerful. He is majestic beyond anything we could imagine. Man, he, his presence would cause us to, to cower. His strength is nothing for us to behold. It's the glory of God. Yet, just a couple of miles away, nearby, we see the grace of God on display in the form of a baby boy named Jesus. The grace of God. I like what the this, this story says that they, they found, the angel says, you will find him wrapped snugly. In strips of cloth. I remember week one, I talked about that word snugly. Mary wrapped him snugly. We go from the glory of God to snugly. So this, this, is, this is the collision of God's glory and God's grace. God's glory is available for you. His power, his strength is available for you. But it came in the form of Jesus, his grace on display for all of us. Jesus came nearby, not just for someone, but for everyone. That's the power of grace. He left the glory of heaven, the glory and majesty of the throne, and said, I'm going to come nearby you. You are not going to be alone. My grace is available for you. I came for you. Come on, encourage somebody around you. Tell them he came for you. 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 And you. He came for you. He came for you. Is that crazy? Like he came for you. Man, he came for you. He came for you. He came for you. He came for you. He left the glory of his throne to come to be nearby. We could experience his grace. Man, that I, I could experience the grace for the disappointment in my life. I could experience the grace for the setbacks and the heartache. I could experience the grace for my sin and my shame. And he came and just covers me in the shelter of his wings so I can, I can experience his, his, his grace. 
That's why he came. I think one of the things I've had to work through this year that God has really been speaking to me about in my preaching is to constantly remind you that he's not a magician. He's not an illusionist. So often, I don't know what's happening or what's happened, and I, I take the, the blame for it. I'm, I'm a pastor, and I'm a leader, and I speak God's word, and, and so I'm sure it's his, uh, part of it's on me, and it's part of it's on all of us, but we, we want him to be a magician. We want him to, hey, get up on the stage, and hey, do, do your little miracle thing for me. Do, do that thing you do. Pull the rabbit out of the hat for me, and we will clap for you, Jesus. And I don't want to belittle those things because we all need miracles. We all need breakthroughs. We all have, have things that we're working through. But let's not forget the reason he came is so that we could experience him. He is the miracle. It's in him that our joy is found. It's under the shelter of his wings. It's not just about the breakthrough you need, but it's about experiencing Jesus in the midst of the wilderness when everything doesn't make sense. That's the greatest witness you will ever be to the world. See, the greatest witness isn't just being able to tell people about the good things that God has done in your life. I think the greatest Witness is when you tell people how good God is in the brutality of life. Because there are people that are watching you every day, and sure, you get the miracles and you get the breakthroughs, and I'm not belittling those things. We all need them, and we got to praise God when he brings the miracles. Come on, somebody. We praise him when he brings the miracles, when he does the breakthroughs. But the greatest witness you will ever be to someone is when they know your story. When they know what 2018 was like for you, and they know what you're facing right now, they know how you've stumbled, and they know the struggle, but yet in the midst of all of that, you still have joy. And I have joy because I have Jesus. Man, I mean, it's like, man, the enemy can come at you, and the enemy, he can steal just about everything. He can steal your finance, finances. He can steal your family from you. He can steal so many things from you. He can steal this. He can steal that. He can ruin this. He can destroy this. He can stomp on this. But he cannot touch your soul. He has no access to your soul. Why? Because your soul is covered by the wings and the, the wings of God's glory and God's grace. The enemy sees that and he's like, I can't get to that. And that's why you can stand and have joy because you know all that befalls me, all that has happened, all that has gone wrong in my life, I am still standing today and my soul is secure in Jesus because he's walking with me and he's carrying me and he will bring me through this for his glory. That's our God. God has not forgotten you. He's positioning you. 